Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today, and I'm joined as always by my good friend, my business partner, my fellow keeper of the quake, Mr. Jason Neal Johnston Yellow. That, that's it. That's that's the intro. It's taken us six seasons. That's the intro. That's You've it. Just boom, hundred percent. Congratulations. Nailed Finally nailed it. it well, it was a. It needed participation from your end to finally become a keeper of the quake. <laughs> what happened, Jason? You were meant to become a keeper in in April of 2020, and you you shirked your duties. What happened? Here we are. Big. It was something. Something came up in my life. I was unable to leave my house for a period of time, and that's all I'm willing to say about mm-hmm. that. All right. I'm just happy you don't have to workshop your intro anymore. You must feel some great relief right now. Oh, that's just because I hit the toilet earlier. God. Did I say something? What's going on? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I have a question for you. Oh, okay. I can, I can do questions. Oh, I can do answers to questions. Back in, the, back in the day. So my brother, my brother Murray, mm-hmm. just sent me, he, listen to this. He's addicted to TikTok. He's a he's a 40, 41-year-old man addicted yeah. to TikTok. He loves the TikTok. He likes the golf TikToks. And he like I don't what, even know what, what else. What 12-year-old that's, girls that's are the, playing golf and, and putting that up on TikTok? Well, so here, here, this is perfect then. So this is ideal. So he just sent me a TikTok... I'm going to say video. I don't know what things on TikTok are called. So he sent a TikTok video mm-hmm. that was one minute of California games from 1987. I don't know if I know what California games is. Was that like some sort of a, a there was surfing and like, was it a multi-game So far, game? you're one for one. Yep, you're yeah, one for one. Right? Come on, was... give, give me some other guesses. Come right. on, what else so, do you remember? So what else did they do surfing? in yep, so they do on. surfing. Uh-huh. My guess is there may be uh, volleyball nope. included. All right, hold on. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to think here. I'm just workshopping here. Other California <laughs> games. You were going to say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are they, is it hacky sack? Are they playing hacky sack? <gasps> there really? you go. That's number two. How many more do I have? I remember another four. All right. Uh, California games. <laughs> oh, uh, th- where they, they're, they're nonstop passive aggressive. You ha- you're ranked on how passive aggressive you are. <laughs> well, there goes our California listenership. Bye-bye. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for all the memories. To be we fa- will miss you the most, California. To be fair. I didn't think it was going to end here when I asked a question about California games from 1987. But, but, but it's the same thing, right? Every, you know, every, everybody says everyone else's people is cheap or everyone else's people <laughs> is passive aggressive. Like we all say can, that about you everybody. Can, you can stop justifying this anytime you but want. My, you don't have to keep is, digging. Uh, all right. Okay. Yeah, like take the Polish, for example. Here's what the <laughs> Polish say about other Polish people. <laughs> oh my God, Joshua, stop talking. Stop talking. So California Games was on the 8-bit Sega Master System that we had uh, in in the UK and I I loved California games I absolutely mm-hmm. played it 
all the time. And and apparently so did Murray. Um, oh gosh, we... Yeah, so it came out on that. We also had it on the Commodore 64. And I know we've talked uh, Commodore 64 oh, yeah. previously. But it was surfing, as you rightly say, in Hacky Sack, which was a ton of fun, ton of fun. But it also had roller skating. Oh, right. Half pipe. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> BMX. Also makes sense. And I want to say Frisbee. Also makes sense. Like, these are all, I mean, to be fair, not all Californians are passive aggressive. <laughs> He's still saying that. I mean, not back all again. of them are. So all of those sports make sense. You think of those sports and you think of California. Anyway, continue with your story, please. What was wonderful was they were all side-scrolling, 8-bit side-scrolling. But remarkably, the half-pipe, obviously, you went to the right of the screen, and then you came back to the left and did a little ollie or what have you. I threw that in because of today's guest. Oh, look at you. So smart. <laughs> so smart. And and it was just, yeah, it was just so much fun. And and I've, I just said this to my brother. I don't know why I can't play California games on my phone in the year 2022. Are you sure you can't? I have looked. I have looked and I've looked. And I've bit like the Haggis Basher t-shirt, which is the next point of business I will be coming to. I want it. And I want it now. Don't care how I want it now. Don't care how I want it now. <laughs> so how does how does one side scroll on mm -hmm. hacky set so it's just left right left right it's like a pong exactly yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly and you could use your shoulders and you could pop out your knees to kick it with the inside of your oh foot gosh. or the outside Those of your foot graphics must have been so garbage you could spin spin yeah. it oh no the, the graphics were beautiful absolutely beautiful they were like they weren't 8 bit they were a bit. Oh, is that an American expression? No, I'm just saying, like, I just don't think that they had a total of eight bits. I think it's just the singular <laughs> bit. <laughs> there was just one bit. He was like, I'm over bit. here now. Now I'm over here. Now I'm over here again. I'm and back over were, here. And they were beautiful, beautiful graphics. Oh, it was a spectacular game. Decades, decades ahead of its time. Huh. Decades. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I loved it. So, so I, I just thought I'd throw that out because I know, obviously, for you, you know, you were you were a gamer. You liked the video games. Mm -hmm. We talked about the the Netflix series on the history of games. Which now that time has passed, what did you think of those six episodes? I, I haven't. I still haven't watched them. Classic. I still classic, haven't classic. watched them. So, well, I'll tell you why. But. Because oh oh because. Because, 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 I don't watch Jason's recommendations. Uh, well, there is that. Uh, no, Heidi and I are catching up on, on Dahmer. Mm. There's something sick within us that is curious to see this story play out. Yeah. 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 It's frightening. Anyway. So, <laughs> second cul-de-sac. All right. Um, so... He was more aggressive than passive aggressive, if I'm being honest. Sorry. I spent continue. the weekend with you, and I managed to make it out with all of my flesh. So <laughs> I feel like that was a win. And it is interesting that you're watching Dahmer. I'm currently reading a book on the the uh, the Uruguayan rugby team crash in the Andes. Oh, um, the, alive. The, the ones that ate themselves. I mean, and ate they, each other. They, yeah. 
they resorted to a little bit of the, the cannibalism as well, but only of dead people and only of those frozen in the snow. So, okay. anywho, anywho, anywho. Haggis Basher, I was at your house this this past weekend having a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, fall colours in Connecticut were beautiful. There is Thank you. no doubt about it. To be honest, the fall colours from the Shenandoah Valley all the way to Connecticut and back were beautiful. It was a spectacular weekend for a bit of driving there with my 15-year-old. We go. had fun. And before I left to come up to see you, I received a package from the one and only Greg Swartz, who we've spoken about and interviewed on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is in our circle, most famously known as the director of the Water of Life film and the director of the Super Bowl commercial for uh, Brooklady. Who we've had on... Botanist the, Gin. Yeah, botanist, botanist gin yeah for Botanist Gin. Prefer. And we've had him yeah. on the pad, podcast previously. Which is what I said in my first few words. Yeah. So... Good job listening to 25%. Well, I apologize. I've got texts like blowing up on my computer <laughs> yep. screen. Got to turn it off during the recording. It's too many squirrels. Too many I squirrels. I apologize. So, so I had, obviously I mentioned Greg when I was talking about the Haggis Basher t-shirt. He was the impetus for me remembering and waxing lyrical. Ian Bruce had sent in a couple of, of links, a couple of images. Mm-hmm. I'd shared those with Greg. Greg, do these look familiar? Not really. But Greg's take is that he wonders if if every kind of tartan tat shop in Scotland, you know, the, the, the type of place that you'd buy some ice cream and a bag of crisps, a bag of crisps, a bag of uh, chips, potato chips Ooh. with some salt and vinegar. Maybe you'd pick up some toffee and a Haggis Basher t-shirt, right? Mm-hmm. You, all the things, all the things. Mm-hmm. And so and so Greg said, yeah, it could be as individualistic as that. However, he went ahead and unbeknownst to me, purchased two of the Haggis Basher t-shirts that Ian Bruce had sent in the links for. <laughs> and and Greg and I are now Haggis Basher t-shirt brothers, just like we were in 1982. 40 years later, we have found one another and we each have Haggis Basher t-shirts to proudly wear around the place. And I wore to your house. You did. And I took not just a picture of you in it, but a video <laughs> of you in it, uh, which which I will have to post. Though, you know, initially I just wanted a picture, and and you just started doing some weird sexy dance. There are massive quotes around the word sexy. Massive air quotes. <laughs> that word is doing a lot of heavy lifting. That is creating an image in someone's head that isn't the right one. So if so if that shirt was from forty years ago and you were <laughs> you were forty back then, how, how was it? Greg was only <laughs> he was only eight, maybe seven. He's a regular Benjamin Button, that guy. There you go. There you go. I yeah. said that from the first moment I met him. <laughs> it was a great this guy. He's a right Benjamin Button. But how cool is it? How cool is it that you mentioned it on a podcast? <laughs> and a podcast listener says, wait a second. And and it's it's amazing, right? These are the things that I love about podcasts, about the internet. You mention a thing, people hear the thing, and they do a bit of work for you. It's just yeah, it's a, terrific. A, nice, a, ni- a nice little thing. And now you're a haggis batcher once more. Even, even down to the point of it's, it's not what we wore then, but it's in the same family. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's reside in the same family again, so. 
Yeah, really wonderful. So sincere thanks to Greg for for buying it and sending it out. Sincere thanks to Ian for sending along a link and 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 sincere thanks to me for mentioning it in the first place on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like I really I was an equal third of that. A well, really cool third. I mean, you brought it to light. How else could our listeners even have known about this story if you, sir, didn't bring up what someone else did for you? It could almost have been an extra, extra episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so so the reason I was in Connecticut mm-hmm. was to see you and your lovely, lovely family. But also, but also, yes, we had the the lovely, the wonderful Ali Chilton coming through. So, let me see. Ali Ali was headed to Connecticut, not Connecticut, but he was headed to the U.S. He was going to Kentucky. He was doing a bit of work out there, and then he had a few extra days, and he said, "Oh, you want to get together?" And so, I mean, I'm a workaholic anyway, so I made sure to set up some work for him, <laughs> and, and we had a lovely. Um, event in New York at the Drammers with our, our good friend Charlie Prince, his wife's uh, fiance, I should say, Summer, um, at his house, and a fantastic tasting. You know, for as long as we've known Ollie, and, and we've seen him do some some tastings here and there, but most here and there, yeah. right? Yeah, but mostly it's been, you know, at events like like Whiskey Jubilee. He came through to the Jubilee before. He's done some other events, like at a, we took him to a cigar shop here in Connecticut, and and so mm. on. This this event was quite different, and and I don't know if it was, I don't I don't know why it was like this, but you know we'll do our standard tasting where you've got anywhere from four to eleven whiskeys, depending on the group, maybe twelve, maybe sixteen whiskeys. Um, <laughs> but there's always the class, right? You know, here's here's a bit about Scotch whiskey. Here's a bit about the selection. Here's a bit about the distillery, the process, so on and so forth. And then toward the end is when you have your question and answer session. The entire tasting was a question and answer section. Oh, those and are my favorites. It was it was amazing, and it was so interesting. Like the, the whiskey was a backdrop to. A Q and A session about independent bottling, about uh, regulations, about where flavor comes from, and and mm-hmm. how it's created, and how Ollie selects casts and creates flavor and does blending and and all of these things. And and I remember, you know, there were certain points in time where I just had to interject and I said, "Okay, everybody, just so you're aware." <laughs> What I poured for you before was X, and what you have in your glass now is Y. And it was it was one of my favorite tastings in a good long while because it wasn't just, a, you know, okay, class, here's what you're going to learn today. Rather, the class was saying, this is what we want to learn. And Ollie being Ollie, you know, he's just, he, he's wonderful, and he knows how to answer the questions taking a lot of technical detail and wait for it distilling it down oh oof to something that that anyone and everyone could could really grasp if they're outside or on the periphery of of industry right and so so that was the drammers event uh and then we had them up in connecticut bopping around here and there 
And uh, and then you and your your lovely son Kai came up. Indeed. And we had a, indeed. We had a bit of a a bit of a late evening at the house. <laughs> so With, so let's let's circle back oh, okay. to the late evening okay. after after the interview. But do you want to set the scene for our listeners before we we unleash the interview upon them? So after our day or slash evening in New York. We wake up the next morning, get a little breakfast with uh, Andrew Thompson. Who oh, lovely. Ran- I'm so sad to have missed him. I, I, I'm sad that he wasn't able to come to Connecticut uh, because he's a, just an absolutely lovely, lovely guy. So we, he is. we had breakfast with him, and then we hopped in the car from New York to Connecticut. And I said, why don't we do another car interview? And his response was... How many birds must we kill <laughs> with our car uh, to have this interview? And you'll be happy to know, and our listeners will be happy to know, that you will listen through the entire car ride interview, and you will not hear a single bird being killed having flown into our windshield. Small mercies. <laughs> Though we did dodge cops a few times, and listeners will hear that as well. <laughs> Put on the mic. Put down the mic. But the, the purpose of the conversation, I mean, really, in the end, is is an update. I mean, the last time we've had him on the podcast was two, maybe three and a half so years ago. So much to cover, though. So much ground. And, and this is the point. There was, since the last time we spoke with him, you know... Elixir Distillers is, was part of the Whiskey Exchange, which has now mm-hmm. been sold off. Their mm-hmm. Isla Distillery has broken ground, Port Natruan. They've mm-hmm. since purchased Tormor Distillery. So, so we mm-hmm. wanted to talk about Tormor, get some updates there, talk about um, designing whiskey, what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. I wanted nice. to talk Port Natruan as well, and, and then really touch on some of the issues that were highlighted in the previous extra extra where we talked about, you know, Isla and and not just Isla, really all of Scotland, but focusing on Isla, that idea of we've got all these distilleries popping up, where's the infrastructure for it? And and so we we touched on that as well. Excellent. Excellent. I'm I'm excited to listen along with our listeners. Mr. Chilton, welcome back to One Nation Under Whiskey podcast. Always in a car. Always in a car. Two guys, one car. So last time I spoke with you, well, last time Jason and I spoke with you, the focus was Port Escague, uh, a bit of single malts of Scotland. I think that you may have been working on Black Top or were about to release Black Top, perhaps? Yeah, that probably sounds right. It was a few years ago, so yes. Okay. But because there is no rest for the wicked, since that time, uh, you've broken ground on Isla for your for your new distillery, Port Nutrun. Yeah, I mean, I didn't do it personally, but I did stand with a spade. Um, we got some really good pictures, yeah. which we're never showing anyone. 
No? No. Wait a second. No, apparently uh, Georgie and I laughed too much, and <laughs> therefore they are not good pictures. Ah, oh, um, come... But, but, the... we, but we did go and we took a spade. We actually stole a spade from Ardbeg. Um, did you? Yeah, true story. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I asked Jackie Thompson for a spade. We didn't have one. So. Oh, so you didn't steal it. Well, we're not giving it back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really nice so spade. T- yeah. Technically, you have yeah, stolen Ardbeg's spade. Was that is that going to be the name of your first release? I think we'll have it over the door. Oh, there you go, over the door. I like that. So... So by you, I mean Elixir Distillers has since broken ground on Portnitruen. And then then there was this surprise, at least surprise to me, announcement that that you had, per, again, you being Elixir Distillers, <laughs> not you personally, Ollie Chilton, <laughs> <laughs> um, have purchased the Tormor Distillery from, uh, from Perno Ricard. Yep. Well, you know, we sold Whiskey Exchange last year and we were all a bit bored twiddling thumbs and counting money. So we, we had to use it on something. So I, w- I want to discuss all of this, but as as the person who's going to be behind putting the whiskey together, with Portnitruen, you, you'd be making everything from scratch. With Tormor, you're coming into it from from having stock, from a, 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 a decent amount of stock. And so do you feel, uh, I guess my question is, will will you be using Tormor in any way as a way to sort of help guide you in, in Portland and True and in designing those liquids? Um, no, I don't think so. It, so we're really lucky. Um, at Portrin and I mean to some degree but this um, this has an effect on Tormor as well obviously in that we've got Georgie so Georgie will help guide in terms of what we do to make the liquid we want mm. we already have a pretty pretty clear idea of the, the styles of spirit we want to produce there um, I think we're learning um, as a business what it is to own a distillery yeah uh, which is is exciting um, if not a little nerve-wracking um, and so that will certainly help mm. us understand that process uh, but no they're, they're different projects and they're, they're, they come from slightly different places okay um, in my mind at least yeah I like do you feel it will be and and, and I want to touch on each distillery individually but but I've got this in my head so I've got to ask I asked a similar question to um, Dr. Bill about Glenmorangie and, and Ardbeg and, and what it's like having to manage two types of spirit that, that really could not be any more different. And so, like, do you... F- yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a, we'll keep the... So for our listeners here, uh, there's a cop. Uh, <laughs> nothing to see. The, nothing to see. Yep, I'm just... Know, holding a microphone next to my chest. Um, do you feel when you when you're looking to design what Tormor will be? And I want to talk about that a little bit because I have a feeling some of our listeners may not be very familiar with Tormor as a distillery. Do you feel as if you'll have to 
wear two different hats as you're designing the two different liquids? Like if if Tormor won't <laughs> won't help you, at least in your mind, to work out what Portnet Druin can be, will that same thought process just carry through? There, there's no crossing of the streams, if you will. So I, I would say that. Well, okay. So you're you're always learning. Um, when you're working with spirit, yeah, and where we probably come through right now is as a as a as an independent bottler and as as a blender, um, I do see that that all spirits are different anyway. So you're, yeah. but you still take inspiration. Um, I don't think that you have to put two different hats on, but I definitely think that you you kind of need to have it written on a piece of paper. And I think we spoke about this last time with with Skag and. And elements filer and, and Sigmar Scotland, you have to have written on a piece of paper what your center for that distillery or for that, mm. that label is. You, you mm-hmm. have to have kind of um, an ethos for it, and then that ethos drives what you end up putting in the bottle. Oh, okay. Um, and the ethos for both will be different, and there'll be there'll be similarities because you know, we're one company. One, we have, I think, quite clear ideas on on making whiskey. But they are one's an existing distillery with an existing setup and an existing style, while the other is uh, we're building a playground to make lots of things. Ah, so yeah, okay. There will be a different ethos from that perspective. Okay, yep. Does that, that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, that 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 does make sense, and and actually speaks to exactly what you said from the outset that. I mean, you, you'll have two different places doing two things so differently. Yeah. So we, when you, I think when you buy a distillery, you you one have to respect the history that's there. Yeah. You have to respect the spirit that you've got. Be, you, it's not that you you can't make changes or that you won't make changes, and we're always the first to embrace the fact that spirits change, distilleries change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, I think you have to. Um. And you talk about why. However, you do want to have lineage. You know, you do want to show this is where it came from and this is where it's going to. Yeah. So I don't think we're not going to, for instance, we're not going to walk into Tormor on, on January 1st and say, right, all of the ferments are going to be twice as long and we're going to uh, <laughs> use completely different yeast strain or, yeah. and we're going to um, cut much deeper or yeah. you know, we're not going to do that. Um, so there's a sense of stewardship. Absolutely, there. I think with a yeah. with a with a distillery like that, there is. Um, there's also responsibility to existing customers. It's a it's a big distillery. It creates a lot of spirit. We're not going to be able to use all of that for single malts only straight away. Um, it supplies uh, Shiverth Brothers with with malt for blends like Valentines, and and they need consistency in that. So you mm. you still have to deliver yeah. a spirit style for them uh, that is in that same camp. Now that might change in the future they might not want to continue buying it or might not need to because they're building bigger distilleries Sure. Um, and maybe it becomes less of a priority for us as, as Tormor grows as a single malt. Gotcha. Right because right now and, and this was the bit that I wanted to get to I don't think there's a, a standard Tormor bottling at least, at least, there's definitely not a standard Tormor bottling in the U.S. I don't think there's one in the U.K. 
No, so at the moment um, there have been okay. in the past bottlings. Uh, if you go way back to the 70s, there was uh, some 10-year-olds that were exported. Um, there was uh, a 12-year-old through the 80s and 90s, I think even the early 2000s, mm -hmm. um, in various different formats. And then most recently, there's been a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old available in France. Ah, uh, okay. Um, but not widely. And then um, Chivas have always bottled it in their kind of 50CL cast yeah. range that they do for the distilleries. Okay. And you told me that Sikinder has been hunting around basically for any Toromor bottling he can find to get an understanding of of that lineage you talked about, right? That that. Yeah, that, well, it, it was the first thing when the deal was agreed, the first thing we did is we opened up a 10-year-old from the 70s um, that was bottled uh, for a specific Italian importer. Okay. Um, just to see what the spirit style was like, and it was it's quite different to today. It, it, there, were, there are similarities. There's this kind of pear, um, kind of autonomous fruit thing that seems to run for it. Mm. And there's a slight pepperiness to it, um, which I think is still there today. Yes. Um, so okay. those things definitely existed, but it was it was richer in texture um, originally. And so that was, huh. you know, that does give you inspiration for the future. Okay. Well. Because you feel, so does it give you inspiration for the future because you feel that richness can be a Reattained if you have an understanding of what they were doing back then? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I also, so it's not that you'd want to make the whiskey like it used to be or it used to be better. We're not, we don't believe that whiskey was always better. That's not, that's not yeah. where we come from. Um, although we, we obviously come from a background of old bottles and, yeah. you know, historic whiskey. Um, but what, what is interesting is there was a there was a richer texture to the, to it then, so how do we achieve that in the future, or can we achieve that in the future, and is that desirable? Um, one of the questions is, you know, are the flavours that you're getting today in the spirit are there ways to accentuate those? Are there ways to show that off? Yeah, and we can look at we'll look at doing that through lots of things, a mixture of looking at how it how we ferment at the moment, how we might ferment in the future, um, how you know. What? How are the stills being run? So there's lots of little things we can do to adjust without losing spirit character, but to adjust spirit character to maybe accentuate the bits we're interested in. So first off, I I love all of this, but you know you'd, you'd still be selling on stock to Chivas because they need it for their blends. If you're adjusting your single malt to a, a style that you're looking for. Do they just adjust their blends around that, or do you make do you have two different makes that you deal with? No, so you would you would either do it as campaigns um, as you adjust your, your spirits. So you're always producing something the same for them. Ah. And two, I, I'm not talking about doing this next week. Yeah, uh, you know, okay. you're, it's a process. So going back to that that change in distilleries, you, you change these things. You can change these things over years, slow adjustments. Um, mm to find your center I, I don't think you have to to make it perfect tomorrow yeah you know you, you allow for that change and the great thing about being a smaller company um, and only owning in, in our case it will be two distilleries is you, you 
you can make, you can track this stuff, you can put small parcels together, and then you can mm. explain what was happening and why. So, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, well, hopefully, a process that you go over years and years, not not weeks and weeks. Yeah, okay. So, if you were to describe the spirit character of Tormor, again, because I imagine there's a, a number of people listening who haven't experienced Tormor as a single malt, how would you describe it? How, and, and what would separate it from other space ciders? So, it, it definitely has... Um, and I should stress, at this point, we've not um, we've not got into the warehouses. We've not got through the stocks that we've purchased with the distillery. Okay. Um, so I'm using a mixture of current bottlings from Chivas uh, to understand what was going on and mm-hmm. what, what they've bottled. Um, older bottlings, as discussed, and independent bottlings, because there's been some, including mm-hmm. by your good self. Yep. Um, my... My general, the general gist I get is that it's it's a relatively elegant spirit. Um, there is a nuttiness to it. There is like you, on the new make, you can smell this this slightly kind of nutty character. Mm. But I definitely get more of um, kind of a pears and, and soft fruit okay. feel to it. Um, it doesn't strike me as something that's you're going to immediately stick into some really active sherry cask. Yeah, but there might be a home for something else there on in terms of in terms of sherry and in terms of the type of wine you might look at um so yeah it's 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 difficult because when you when a lot of what you're looking at is single cask stuff as you know there's actually a lot of variables yeah sure yeah so you don't you don't have a lot of classic bottlings to go by no and what you do have is lots you're you're looking at different periods of the distillery yeah it's a relatively young distillery, so it was only opened in around 1960. I think it, they started the build 58. Um, and if you think the first bottlings were 10 years old, so you're talking onto the market in the 70s. There you go. Okay. So it, you've really got 70s, 80s, 90s, and now. Yeah. Um, but even in that period of time, so when they started, they only had four stills. Um, I think it's four stills, four washbacks. Um, today it's got eight stills, and I'm trying to count up the number of washbacks, but it's impossible because they're all in different rooms. Uh, <laughs> you told me there's a bit of a maze it's, in there. Well, it isn't. It isn't. It's it's not a maze in terms of the building. It's obviously it's an iconic building. It's yes, beautiful absolutely outside. Gorgeous. Yeah. Um, it's probably one of the most iconic buildings in, in Scotland. Certainly, most one of the most iconic distilleries. And originally. What, from what we can see, it was probably one of the first single-room distilleries. Mashing, oh. fermentation, and distillations, essentially in one room. Huh, okay. Um, milling is just before it. It's you know, a nice process line. Obviously, the problem with that is if you, you increase the size of your, your mash tun, you increase uh, the number of stills, mm. your washbacks are in the middle. Yeah. And you, so you can't now put more in. Yep. So at the moment, there's washbacks above the boiler house. There's washbacks in the clock tower. Um, yeah, everywhere you go, you open a door, you'll normally find a tank. There's a tank in, <laughs> in every door uh, for something. Um, and it does feel like during various points of expansion, it was probably a case of where do we put the tank? Yeah. Um, it's also it's a listed building. 
So you will always have struggles with listed buildings. You can't just knock down walls. Oh, right. Uh, so like a historical building has to remain yeah. intact. Okay. Okay. For it, is that from the exterior or you can play around a bit in the interior? Yeah, well, it depends on the listing. My understanding of this listing, I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert. My wife is, so I'll, <laughs> we're going up next week. We'll go and have a look. Uh, but my understanding is we can do quite a lot inside. Okay. Um, but outside, it's listed. Um, the topiaries listed, so even mm. even the the grounds around it are listed. Wow. Okay. Um, so we have to look after all the plants as they are. Can't can't change them. Uh, we'll have to keep Jason away from from all of your plants. He's 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 notorious for backing up and over some rare <laughs> f- rare shrubbery. You'll have to ask him about that. Uh, I will. <laughs> Um, do you find, right, I mean, you're, you're getting the keys to the distillery and you're getting the key, the keys to the warehouse and the casks, and you'll be building what will be Tormor as a single malt. Mm-hmm. How daunting is that? Oh, I, I think it's exciting. Okay. I, okay. I, yeah, not daunting. I'm yeah, yeah, so yeah. Uh, so desperate to get in to start finding out what it is, mm. um, and it, it. So again, because of the style of business we are, um, we don't get to start writing on the piece of paper what the philosophy is until you start trying the spirit. Uh huh. Because yeah. there'd be no point in sitting down and saying, "Oh, this is." Um, Tormor is going to be this voluptuous, dense, rich malt that fights with Macallan and mm-hmm. Mortlach, and then getting in and finding out, yeah, that's that's not what it is at all. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited because it's it's the start of that journey, that, that that discovery of what its character is. It's it's like meeting a new friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and finding out who they are. So no, I don't think it's daunting. I, I genuinely think it's it's really exciting. Um, and it would be nice to to some degree to have something that you feel you can build some consistency in okay um, as much as I say everything changes which it does the the challenge of being just an independent bottler or a blender is you're you're always living off the side of what other people do mm-hmm. which means that a lot of what you do although you try to create consistent things like Portscape Hunter Proof and or 110 um, we try to keep consistency but you're also always in a world where that might change tomorrow. Yeah. Or other little parcels come up, so you have to create something else. Mm-hmm. And although that's really exciting and it's really fun, there is uh, there's a certain joy in the idea of creating um, creating something that can be there and yeah every day. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. What what does that what does that journey look like from? a time scale perspective of designing liquid, coming up with a range, getting the packaging. I mean, I understand. <laughs> Fuck, I just in, mentioned In 2022? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll probably be about 65 when we finish the glass. Um, are we including shipping to the US? Because that, uh, that's another couple of years, yeah. right? So. Yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, assuming a... Uh, Pre, pre, yeah. Um, assuming the before times. Before times, so you know, yeah. pre the apocalyptic yeah. conditions of today. Yes. 
Um, so I, I would say you're at least 18 months. Uh, oh, okay. Because, you know, you've got to create... The, the biggest things are our packaging. That might sound ridiculous, but it's stuff yeah. like a bottle, you know. And mm-hmm. How long does it take to design a bottle and make the glass and um, come up with the brand and the label and all of that? And that all takes time. Um, now, some of that is also waiting essentially on me to look at the liquid because we could all sit here and we could come up with it in the same way you come up with a bottle you design you come up with a label design but that all has to come from your philosophy it has to come from your central bit and we're still yeah. waiting for the liquid yeah um, in terms of the liquid design <sighs> I'm the wrong person to ask because I've done everything from projects where we've turned it around in four weeks to projects that have taken me seven years oh um, okay so uh, my hope is with with Tormor, with one distillery with one style that's been you know relatively well looked after in terms of its spirit character mm. and certainly from a wood point of view um i said this a lot recently i i think Chivas are one of the the best companies to to work with in terms of wood they, they have a really tight spec on what they do okay so on that side i'm i'm hoping it's a relatively easy project um so i, I originally had a year uh, to to get my head around that, I think in reality I'm going to end up with about six months. Oh, okay. uh, just because of the way things <laughs> the way things have gone. Yeah. Because of we live in the after times, not the but of all uh-huh, times. Uh-huh. Um, but that's how long I'm I'm hoping. Okay. It might take longer. We'll just have to see. Um, does does the liquid lead the packaging? For us. Yeah, it does um, to some degree. You know, we've got we've got great designer, we've got great design team, um, and Alex is growing. We've got new people in the company, all with different experiences from different, uh, normally Scotch whisky businesses, who will inspire bits of of the pack and the brand and the story. Yeah. But that's that same thing. There's no point in making a a, a bottle that gives this idea of this heavy rich or smoky whiskey mm. uh, if the whiskey is none of those things yeah exactly yeah, you want I, I always think you want people to pick up a, a bottle and they you firstly you want them to drink it you want them to want to drink it but you also want them to have an idea of what's in the in it yes just by what the packaging looks like yeah yeah exactly so will Georgie be looking after both Port Natruin and, and Tormore uh, no, she is at the moment uh, in terms of getting Tormor or getting us to a place where we're, we're ready to take on Tormor. Um, but we're increasing the size of that team significantly. So we've already got a new head of engineering coming to okay. the business, Andy Cameron, who's amazing, absolutely wonderful guy, uh, formerly at um, Glen Grant. Ah, okay. And um, we will have a new distillery manager who I think will announce probably in January uh-huh. um, okay. who will be specifically looking after Tormor okay is it uh, a big name person uh, it's a person <laughs> with a name <laughs> trying to think how many letters um, it's not that long but alright it's not that short either first word Th- there'll be no clues starts with <laughs> sounds like we just charades this whole we, this the whole next well, segment <laughs> <laughs> we could but you have to hold the wheel <laughs> 
Okay, all right. I'll just get you drunk. I'll try to get it out of you later. Um, and and I and I hope that this isn't uh, too much of a probing question, but will you be able to retain any of the the current workers at Tormor? Um, so or is, it, or is it just a transitional period? Period until so you get your own we've team. We've got a we've got a transitional period where where Shiva's going to help us. Um, it's a bit different different with with a distillery like Tormor that's in a big group because a, a lot of the the jobs around the distillery are done by teams who come in mm. from sites like all cast handling for Shivas is done by a, a squad of like four or five guys and they work okay. across all Shivas sites yeah so there's no one on site who currently does any cask handling if that uh, makes sense okay so we'll have to bring people in to do those jobs um, I I'm well whether I'm supposed to say or not I believe most of the team will probably stay with Shivas they've worked with them a long time oh okay um, and there's not a, a lack of distilleries in that group. Yeah, a couple sure. of them also are, are, are closer to retiring. So, okay. You know. Yep. Um, I think one one is pretty much retiring at the end of the transitional period. So <laughs> technically, he'll work with us all the way up until he retires. Okay. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. I, we'd, it'd be lovely if people would stay or even come back. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a really lovely group of guys who are in there, and they've been incredibly welcoming to us. Um, incredibly welcome to us on site. Um, when we're up there, we tend to use the office there, and I would say I would say I go further than that. The, the whole team, at Shivers in Speyside, um, have been uh, really good to work with. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That is very cool. Imagine it being the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Depends if you're going to edit out or not. <laughs> when, uh, when, just, I, I probably won't keep this in, but it, it, it reminds me of when uh, George W. Bush took office and the outgoing president, which I guess was Clinton? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was Clinton. Um, as the new team came in, all of the Clinton uh, workers removed the W's from the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't come to come into keyboards missing an E and a D. <laughs> well, certainly not on site. The guys, actually, it was really funny because a lot of the guys who worked there a very long time. Yeah. So what they've all said is whether they stay or go, they're really pleased that a company's coming in to have it celebrated as a single malt. Yeah, that's you know, cool. Because, you know, with a company like Shivers, they they have big malt brands. They've got Glenlivet, they've got Avala, they, they're, they're massive. Mm. Um, and they own a lot of distilleries. And Tormor, it, it's such a beautiful site, but it was also originally built um, with the idea that they would be single malt. Oh, right? what? That it, stands to reason, it, given how gorgeous the building is. You yeah. know, it was, it was built by an American company. They... Um, if you follow up the the path up to the water source, which is just unbelievably stunning, yeah. Um, there's a little lockbox for your bottle of Tormor. Ooh! So you can walk up there and pull out your single malt whiskey and pour it. Oh, that's nice. Um, so I, I I was saying this in a class the other day. I'm I really looking forward to kind of rebuilding that dream that someone had. Yeah, sure. Fifty odd, sixty odd years ago. It 
it sounds it sounds almost like the the care that Glenn Grant have took with their gardens because I think they have a lockbox as well that you can yeah visit. It's, it's obviously pretty much a nick of that okay uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah okay okay which is why we got Andy Cameron to come over as well ah uh, there you figure go we're just he does he won't even know that he's moved to a new distillery no it'd be exactly <laughs> the same <laughs> all right let's if you don't mind I'd like to switch gears over to to Portnatruan, which, if if someone were to go to Google right now and type in Portnatruan, <laughs> they would not find a great deal. They wouldn't find a great deal <laughs> because that's not how it's spelled. No, well, we think it's a good tradition to keep on going with names that sound and are spelt differently. <laughs> um, it's a it's a funny one that name because it's obviously taken us an incredibly long time to to use the name we had at the beginning um <laughs> so it was <laughs> oh really was that was that the first name and then you went uh, yeah, round robin and pretty much it was it oh, okay. there's, there's two i mean there's several spellings for, for Port Bonitrin. we've used one that comes from an os map from the 1800s OS? oh so the, the 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 maps of great britain that are basically used to navigate and they've been uh, making them for years and what used to happen is a map maker would go out and they would uh, ask locals what places were called and uh, uh, a lot of these people didn't spell because these maps are 200, <laughs> 300 years ago uh-huh. and so they would hear something and then they'd just write it down ah got it okay, uh, okay. which is why you, you get a lot of spellings that change uh-huh. <laughs> um, and some that make no sense whatsoever but the, so basically the farm that we bought the land from uh, was uh, Pontentrin Farm. That farm is spelled slightly differently. Please don't ask me why. <coughs> Genuinely, sometimes I look at all this and go, how did we, how did we end up here again? An awful <laughs> lot of research. And um, uh, where the site looks out to is, it, it looks out towards... Yeah. Um, Pontnatrun, which was a, a headland, it would originally be in a fortification. Yep. Um, so we look out towards that. Um, so we we went with that name, one because we looked towards it, and two because we thought it was a really nice nod to um, to Willie Willie Gemmell, who was the farmer who we, we bought the land from. He's a, he's a lovely man. He's been wonderfully supportive to us. Um, he's always asked what's going on. Okay. And. Um, you know, and his sheep have very carefully looked after that land for us for a long time <laughs> while, while we didn't do anything with it. Um, so it's it's nice to do that. And he was he was quite chuffed at the idea. He's going to walk into a shop one day and see his farm on a bottle of whiskey. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. So um, I want I want to talk about, you know, the, the potential style or, or styles of whiskey in a little bit. But it... Do you, I wonder if you could share any updates as far as current current progress, how things are going, how how the entire build is tracking. Slowly, yeah. Um, so we we finished groundworks, um, pretty much finished those on schedule more or less, and then we've been waiting for contractors to turn up. Uh, so I think we're now uh, foundations are going in. Okay. Uh, so it'll move hopefully relatively quickly through. 2023 in terms of the actual build so at some point next year hopefully for for festival there'll be 
uh, a building or some form of a building on site. Yeah. Uh, which would be good. I mean, it, it could, that people can actually see the scale of it. If you go to site at the moment, it looks like the the biggest car park you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, but it does give you a really great idea of scale because yeah. it is huge. It's a it's a massive site, um, and particularly because of the floor moldings, the size of the floor moldings yes. just increases the size of the build. So you had mentioned <coughs> last last night that you expect up to 70% of your whiskies will be produced from your own floor maltings or? So the original spec was yeah. that we could do at, um, up to around 70%. Okay. Although it might be slightly bigger. Uh, we might be able to do slightly more. And that's a full capacity, which we won't be doing full uh, capacity. Yeah. So actually initially we expect we'll probably do 100% from our own floor maltings. Oh, wow. Um, Certainly, there's there's capacity issues on Isla with floor uh, with maltings anyway. So, sure. um, we now look really clever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be doing your own floor malting, but will you put any focus on Isla barley, or you, you'd be a bit more? I mean, it's, it doesn't sound like Isla barley would is if it's not fully sustainable for for Kilhoman. I imagine it wouldn't be sustainable for Portland Druin. Not from a point of view of all of the stock. Yeah. No, we, yeah. We, um, we would hope to be able to buy some barley locally um, and similar to what Kilhoman do, look at distilling that and seeing what it, how it behaves mm -hmm. and seeing what we can create. Um, we are interested in heritage grains um, because there's some wonderful work going on at all sizes of companies. You know, you, <coughs> you've got everything from um, Chevis Brothers running um, Bear Barley. You've got, uh, and obviously you've got um, Brookladdy as well, uh, down to the Thompson Brothers at Dornock, um, who are running all sorts of things. And, and there's some really lovely stuff being made with these heritage grains. So there's certainly an interesting project to be part of there. Okay. Um, but it's just one one of the many, many, many elements that you kind of want to play with. When you say uh, heritage grains, are you are you staying within the category of barley or are you looking <laughs> at other grains? Uh, yes, and <laughs> yes. So, okay. we, you know, the, the way the distillery set up, um, we will have uh, a kind of traditional single malt uh, part of the plant, which could produce, I guess, or maybe even a little bit more, up to about 1.2 million litres. Wow, uh, So okay. to give that an idea of size, that's what Ardbeg was before their expansion. Mm-hmm, okay. So it's a significant size. Um, and then we've also got what we, we refer to as the pilot plant. Um, theoretically, if you were to run that all out making whiskey, you could make about 200,000 litres of spirit. Oh, that's a decent size for a little pilot plant. Yeah, for a little pilot plant. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you spent a bit of time at Spirit of Yorkshire with Joe Clark. Yeah. He burst out laughing when I called it a pilot plant. It's, like, it's bigger <laughs> than our distillery. It's like, okay. But the way that's been designed is that we could run uh, not just malted barley for it. We could, we could create, like, bourbon-style mash bills. We could, wow. um, okay. we could look at rum. We could look at... You name it, we could we could run it through it. Is there, 
And I want to I want to talk about Isla in general in in a minute, but from that perspective of Isla, when you talk about experimentation, is there any pushback from the islanders, from the Ilex themselves, when you say we want to do rum, we want to play around with bourbon style mash bills? No, they say that's not traditional. Uh, no, not not that I've ever. Okay. Particularly come across. Maybe there is in, in certain quarters. I mean, there is a rum distillery now on Isla. So oh, that's, yeah. that's already happened. That's a good point. Um, and Ben is making great spirit. It's, it's a fantastic rum. If you've not tried it, it's worth checking out. Huh. Okay. Um, Isla also has a massive history of um, essentially R&D and whiskey. So Port Ellen was the home of the first spirit safe before it got, not trademarked, what's the word? Uh, patented. Patented, yep. yeah. And it, um, there's also a story that the first um, column still by um, the Steins was trialed on Isla. Oh. As well. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, the, you know, that's a history going back over 200 years of... Wow. Okay. ...messing around with whiskey. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we're just actually continuing something rather than being that's particularly revolutionary. Cool. So it's pulling into a parking lot. Listeners, you can hear. It's a really nice parking lot. It is nice, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um... Oh, you, you see this right here to our to our left? Uh-huh. That's Louis' lunch. Please take the parking ticket. And Louis' lunch Please is where the hamburger was invented. Buttons. Is that right? That is 100% true. Yeah, so, so quickly back to um, experimenting. Do you think Port Natrune would be, will be a plant where you're making both consistent product for a consistent product line and experimental stuff? Or will you want to just be the, the house of tricks? No, we, we would do both. So the idea is that we, we have um, the pilot plant, our little, little distillery, to do pretty extreme experimentation. Mm-hmm just do small batches yeah. of things and we will release them in the future at some point as small batches of things when they taste good or okay. when they're interesting and if they're not good or not interesting we will find solutions for these problems yeah um but the main distillery the plan is to be able to make say four or five different spirit ca- uh, characters and then use those as um as components mm. to, to build a a final product, a final whiskey every day, similar to what <coughs> Arden Merkin, um, what what Arden Merkin is doing, where they've got their peated spirit, their unpeated spirit, and then they bring it together, bring it together. In Absolutely, end. I mean, I I always refer to it because you always you're taking inspiration from different places. There's, there's no, nothing's original. Um, we're we're taking a lot of inspiration from Japan, from Suntory and, and Yamazaki, mm. and I always remember. Being in the shop when Yamazaki was launched in the UK back in the early 2000s and the first time you went through that range of 10, 12 and 18 and you try not to think about how cheap it all was (laughs) Um, (coughs) and being told Uh the 10 year old was essentially a really light, um, uh, elegant spirit perfect for highballs and mm-hmm. summer drinking and then the 12 was uh, this richer more um, kind of classic space side fruity dram yeah. and then the 18 was dense and voluptuous and yeah. rich and after dinner and 
um, they were they made them by making different spirit styles and, and blending them to make uh, okay. uh, kind of occasion whiskey. Yeah. So there's an occasion in mind. Um, I like to think that we have an opportunity. Well, at Tormor as well, but but at Port and Turin particularly to do real um, intentional whiskey making. Yeah. So you, you intentionally make styles of spirit and you then mature them in very specific ways to mm. try and achieve specific flavor profiles to give you building blocks to to make whiskey for occasions. Yeah. Um, I really love that idea. I love the idea of it being less of a um, accidental wonderful mm. thing, which frankly I think from my perspective as as an independent bottler and as a blender, I think scotch is accidentally the best spirit in the world. <laughs> I think it's... <laughs> I like that, um, accidentally the best spirit. I, I, you know, sometimes if... I've just spent four days in, in Kentucky and you, you go to some of the distilleries there and the attention to detail is, is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at a lot of scotch distilleries and it's not that there's not attention to detail, it's just... There's a lot of accepted wisdoms that we do it this way. We've always done it this way. Ah, uh, okay. And you think to yourself, if you tweak these things, you could be even better. Yeah. But they won't do that. That's not going to happen. Um, so when huh. you're building a new distillery, we we do an awful lot of traveling around the world, learning from different spirits categories. So whether that's going to Kentucky and learning from bourbon producers or going to, to cognac or, um, you know, as they go into Japan or in, now in Europe with all the different whiskey producers and you can learn different things that they do to try and tweak or improve their spirit okay, um, and focus in on, on making the best thing they can. And we're just trying to bring all of that together as mm-hmm. best we can. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's good. <coughs> um, but right. So you've got, you got six six different spirit types. Right? Uh, well, okay. So in in our heads at the moment, we've written plans for five. So we would probably look to do five. Okay. In in the main plant, um, and that's what we have written on a piece of paper. Okay. All right. So so you've got you've got your five different spirit types. There will be components to make a final product that will be portent drawn. Mm-hmm. What does it say on your paper that that will be? Uh, we haven't written it yet. You haven't written it yet? No. So you, you need, you can't even. No. So when ah. I say it doesn't, we haven't written it yet. So we, we probably have a very clear philosophy for the, for the distillery. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we've really got a philosophy for the brand, although it'd be probably driven yep. largely by the distillery. Yep. And largely by probably what I've just said. Um, but what I would say is when I when I say intentional whiskey, we will look at things like what occasion is this going to be drunk in? What, what uh, you know, okay. how's it going to be okay. used? And then, so it's not a case that the the single malt whiskey will always be poured and drawn, but we will try and make things yeah. for different use. There you go. Okay. Okay. Now <coughs> now I fully see what you're saying. Okay. But, but you won't know how to get there until you're there. To, to some degree. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You've got to allow yourself to be led by the spirit. You, you yeah. just have to. Yeah. Um, you, you can't force it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I guess, where it kind of differs from Tormor, where, because you already have a, an existing spirit style, and although you might tweak it a little bit, 
certainly we'd like to tweak bits for maybe different wood profiles. Mm. You, you you have a core mm. that's already there. Mm -hmm. So you want to build on that. Yeah. Whereas Pontron's a blank piece of paper. Yeah. And we can just go and create what we like. Are there certain elements of other distilleries that you really appreciate that you want to include in important Portnichron? I guarantee you, I, every time I walk into someone else's distillery, I see something. Yeah. Yeah. I think, oh, that's smart. Yeah. Um, and it can be really silly things, you know, like I was madly messaging Georgie, just checking that we had um, agitators in all the fermenters for the pilot plant because speaking to the guys in Kentucky, they're like, oh, well, when do we full mash in on the on these? Then if we don't have the agitators, um, then the grains stick to the side of the tank and it's oh. painful to wash it out. And it sounds really stupid. That's the kind of thing that goes through my head of, well, yeah. have we done this? Cause yeah. I don't, yeah. you know, I've, I've had to clean out a mash tun once. It's a horrible job. I don't <laughs> think anyone wants to be doing that on every washback. Uh -huh. um, things like that uh, inspire you. Uh, different, uh, different bits of technology. Um, I, yeah, I, and I, I don't think you'll ever stop learning. Mm. Just also, just meeting people, passionate people. Like I always talk about, probably always talk about the same people. Patrick Van Zudam, I, I think he's a, the guy's a genius. He mm -hmm. makes great whiskey. Um, he's changed his kit loads over the years, huh. but uh, he's of the belief that a good distiller could use anything to make great spirit. We've yeah. got a really good distiller, so we're, but we're going to give every tool. Yeah. possible yeah. to make great spirit um, but even so Phil and Simon are two of my closest friends um, I love going up to Dornock mm -hmm. there's one room you, know, you you stand underneath the washbacks it's not like it's a massive tour wow. where you're okay. going to see new stuff every yeah. day uh, but every time I'm there there's something there's just something huh. that they say that makes you think because they're really smart guys and they're learning mm -hmm. all the time mm -hmm. so yeah you, yeah, I can't I I could take you for every inch of kit and I could tell you exactly where that was inspired by. Yeah. Um, and I hope we get to invite all of those people when we open. Uh, so we oh, can yeah. talk to them and show yeah. them all the bits that they helped us with. <laughs> That's very cool. Early on when... I don't remember if, if we spoke about it on, on an episode or if it just came up in an episode of Extra Extra where it talked about the, the the planning, you got permission for planning, everything was going ahead, and as you were putting your your plans together for the distillery, there was a, a piece of it that had to include housing. So um, it wasn't that it had to include housing. Uh, what, what actually happened, uh, some of the intricacies of planning in the council so when we first put our plans together we put housing on the site and the reasoning for that was that there was a housing shortage on isla yeah and we thought it would be an important part for the community and actually some of that was driven by speaking to people like georgie who yeah. at the time was obviously working for for diageo but she was instrumental in giving us lots of advice locally and mm -hmm talking to people like Anthony Wills and, and finding out the problems and then thinking as a family business what can you do to yeah. to solve those yeah well, when we put those plans in we were told by <laughs> by our Carl and Butte council um, we need we don't want housing on this because uh, oh. it's a separate issue so we took the housing off hmm. 
And then we had a, quite a lot of conversations with the community council, which is a, a different body altogether, mm -hmm. who um, were very keen for housing. <laughs> so we then put in a separate application. So we have a separate application in for, I think it's 14 or 16 houses, um, as well as rebuilding or we're having to knock down and rebuild uh, Farkin House, which is opposite the site. Oh, okay. Uh, which yep. is... It's a beautiful old building, but it's sadly collapsing. Okay. And it's not, not rescuable. So that's we've just had permission for that gone through now. Actually getting the planning for the housing has been surprisingly difficult. We've got loads of local support, <laughs> uh, but, but not not uh, as much support on the mainland. And that kind of gives you a really kind of good insight into the struggles of yeah. local politics. Um, but I, I think it's going through now. Um, but it is a really important part for us because... Housing is such a such a big issue um, on the island. Um, the idea of people being able to stay on the island and also people being able to move there mm. to work, yeah, not not to retire or to have a holiday home, but to basically move there to to have a family and be an active part of of all of the community. Yeah, exactly. Um, the one thing Georgie says quite a lot is when when she was young, growing up there. There were like 30, quid, 30 children in our class. Hmm. And now you're lucky if it's seven. Wow. Um, oh, wow. And that affects everything. Yeah, you know, sure. That affects the money going into the school because the mm -hmm. less kids you get, the less money you get. Yeah. It, it, it becomes, although the population seems to be relatively stable, it's an aging population which creates other problems, yes. other, other infrastructure problems, you know, more demand on, on health services yeah. and that kind of thing. So you need to help encourage not only for young families to stay, which everybody wants, mm -hmm. but also for young families to move in. Isla had a population at one point of 15,000 people. Yes. Um, I'm not saying it needs to get that size again, but for it to be a sustainable island, mm -hmm. like if you look at somewhere like Orkney, if you want it to be sustainable like Orkney, you need to be growing that younger part of the community yeah. and giving them opportunities to earn good money and good jobs and be able to afford to live there. So if we can provide 16 houses for the people who work at our distillery mm -hmm. and we can give them a good income, then we can we can help be part of that solution. But it, So I'm, I'm glad you're bringing all of this up because we, Jason and I talked about this in the last Extra Extra. And I did mention, I remember you telling me that you wanted to include the housing without someone from a council telling you you should be including housing. I really, I really liked hearing that. But when we talk about the idea of getting Isla to a, to a sustain, to a place where you're sustaining a population, that means other jobs, other ways to make income maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but what does Orkney have that Isla doesn't have as far as other ways of, of income? I don't actually. I mean, it's, it's a really good question. It's something um, you need to look at. But if you, if you think in terms of more generally, if you do have younger people coming through your schools, you need more teachers. Mm -hmm. If you've got um, <laughs> younger people growing up, they'll need more entertainment. And all of those things relate yeah. to jobs. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
the, the more people you have coming into your community, growing your community, as long as they're part of the community, and mm. that is really important, because yeah. you don't want to change it. You're not looking, we're not looking to change the society or the, yeah. the people there. That's not what you're looking to do. You're looking to help it grow mm-hmm. and evolve and help bring mm. people in. And Isla's got a really strong community feel. Yeah. You know, it, it's not hard to bring people into what is frankly a wonderful and exciting place to be. Yeah. Um, but the more people, the more families you bring in, the more jobs that creates. Yeah. You just need to attract those families. You just need to attract the families yeah. by giving them um, a good, safe place to live. Yeah. By giving them a good job. Yeah. Uh, a place where they want to be. Yep. Um, and can afford to be. You know, I, I, I when I was listening to your program, um, uh, Jason was saying, you know, it's not just an Isla problem, it's a, it's a Scottish problem. It's not just a Scottish problem, it's it's certainly UK-wide. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if it's not the same problem that's, you know, being broached in, in Europe at the moment. You're mm. seeing, you know, we have a... a we, we're we just about to fall into population um, decreasing in Europe. Wow. We certainly have a massive ageing population yeah. across the continent. Okay. The UK has seen this problem for years. When I when I was growing up, I, I grew up um, at least part of my childhood in Cornwall. Um, we were pro- facing that problem in Cornwall then, mm. and that was over 20 years ago. Okay. M- you know, older population, people having to leave, housing prices going up because of holiday homes. Um, you, you end up with problems like, and I, I know this is the, certainly the case on Isla now, and almost certainly the case still in, in places like Cornwall, during the summer, your population is twice, if not three times the size of your population in the winter. Oh, okay. So your things like your health service is based on the population in mm-hmm. the winter. Mm-hmm. It can't cope in the summer. And so it's, things like that become a massive issue. Yeah, sure. Um, and it is, an, it, it is a national issue. We, we don't have enough young people we don't we're not mm. we're not in, we're not making that easy um i don't want to get too political but and there's lots of reasons for it there's yes l- and there's there are possible solutions across the board to do with how you deal with housing housing in the uk certainly is a is a massive issue mm-hmm. um as a as a family business in a local community we have an opportunity to be mm. responsible and, and help find a solution for that okay yeah. Yeah, I don't think I don't think your troubles are limited to the UK, <laughs> Europe. I mean, we're we're facing issues here. We were talking about mortgage rates and mm. and and where they are. It's yeah, the world's kind of upside down right now. Always. <laughs> it's it a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> so, okay. So, before we go down that negative Nelly um track because we 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 are we're, we're just about at our time here. Obviously, I I think I have an understanding of of what you're looking forward to, right? We always end with, what are you looking forward to? Like, it's obvious. I can't wait to get my hands on the Tormore liquid. I can't wait to, you know, whatever with with um, with, with Port Netruin and, and just seeing that as a building. What about Elixir Distillers outside of your two new distilleries, which too new to say, so crazy. Has has you excited? Um, so I, I've been incredibly lucky because obviously I've seen it grow from essentially a hobby business employing me 
um, <laughs> <laughs> and our designer part time, uh, and obviously Sekinda for the few hours of the day he used to drink with me at the end of it, uh, to being a, a standalone business on its own, obviously without the support of the whiskey exchange. So we're in a brave new world. Mm, um, that's right. I'm really, I'm, I'm actually excited by some really sad things. So we, um, with what with Tormor, we have the opportunity to do things like put VAT tanks. I'm really excited by VAT tanks. God, I'm a sad man. Mm. Um, and I'm really excited by being able to control more of what we do, okay. like using less third-party companies to do things for us uh, and being able to yeah. do it ourselves because it will give us more control and it will give us the opportunity to, to mess around okay. with things that... I have written on bits of paper as yeah. theories, having spoken to people from different countries and taken different ideas. So I'm really excited to get to that. I've, I'm really enjoying my, my personal journey from being a you know, part-time shop boy mm. and just tasting whiskey in a shop to buying single casks and then bottling lots of single casks and, and doing small batches. To, to do proper serious blending. I'm, I'm loving doing the stuff with rum because yeah. it's a challenge. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, love, I love the opportunities in Scotch whiskey. I, I don't think I've ever been as excited as, as I am at the moment um, by the challenges. Mm. That might sound completely crazy because mm. we are, I mean, the world is on fire. Scotch whiskey is no different. <laughs> Every conversation you have with everyone is, is exactly the same. There's no, you know, there's... There's no, no no barley or the barley price is too high. There's no energy. There's no caustic cleaning stuff. There's no wood. Yeah. Um, so even if we could make whiskey, it's a complete impossible. And when we've made whiskey, there's no glass. There's no corks. There's no paper. <laughs> you know, you just <laughs> the list is pretty crazy. And you and this you, is the stuff you're excited about. Yeah, because yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm I'm excited because it makes you think. Well, what can we do? And yeah. you're suddenly looking around, going, what can we make? And that's. That's the best bit, right? Mm. If everything was the same and it was all easy, I'm pretty sure that would be boring. Yeah. Um, I love the finding solutions to the challenges. Oh, okay. um, I'm enjoying the discovery and, and thinking about how you you pivot. Uh, I listened, I was reading a, a great interview with uh, Cara Lang talking about the history of um, Douglas Lang mm -hmm. from going from a, a blending company to being an independent bottler by the you know at the end of the 90s start of the 2000s yeah and what a lot of people think of kind of the start of the um new renaissance of independent bottling yeah to essentially going back and being a blending company again that's uh, a good point and, yeah and <laughs> i i actually i think that's a great example of another business who've who are pivoting within the industry mm. they're looking at how they can continue to grow employ people and I love being part of a business that's also doing that. Yeah. I find that really exciting. I think I think it's a it's a, as miserable a place as it is to be in whiskey. It is a great time to be in whiskey. That's a perfect place to leave the interview. Thank you so much, Ali. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And we it. didn't hit any birds this time. Well done. No animals got killed during this episode. The day is young. <laughs> very true. <laughs> <laughs> Sincere thanks to to Ollie, not just for his time Indeed. in the interview, which was which was great, and I, and I hope that that our listeners enjoyed the conversation as much as as much as I enjoyed having it. And Jason, I hope you enjoyed it as well. I thoroughly did. I but thoroughly the, did. the fact that he would take out time 
to come to the Northeast to, to spend a little time with us. I mean, really, in the end, let's be fair, he owed us. Um, no, I joke it. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the Drammers event was a makeup event because he was meant to be mm. at Drammers in April of 2020, much like you were meant to be made a keeper in April April of 2020. So in a way, these two worlds collide once again. This is pretty wild to be in October 2022 playing catch up with April of 2020. But so goes the world. So it goes. Yeah, I, I always, and you alluded to this before we even went into the interview, but I always love all his straightforward manner. Mm-hmm. And he, he doesn't dress up anything no. that doesn't need to be dressed up. And so the fact that he can speak honestly and, and I think quite candidly about building a distillery, buying and and opening, reopening that, Dormore was never shut down, but it's going to have their stamp on it. It's not going to be uh, a Perno stamp on it anymore. So... yeah. You yeah, know, that's that's exciting. It, it was one of the things that interested me, and and it gets back to the Portnitruan and that article about about Isla and the infrastructure and the housing and all of that. Is when they first made their their plans, which included housing. That was you know out of courtesy to Isla because they thought it's something that Isla needed. And when they brought it to the Argyle and Butte Council, they said, nah, you don't need it. Take it out. And then they go to the separate council on Isla, and they're like, thank you so much for including that. We really <laughs> need that. Right? So you've got two different bodies that are not really talking to one another. It, it shows you that you know, it, they were doing the right thing in ensuring they're taking into consideration what the Illichs needed what they want to give the mm-hmm. green light for the distillers very thoughtful i liked that well and, and we were adding on to that point in our own conversation on the friday night in talking about argyle and butte covering a huge a huge area mm. of miles but not representing a huge number of people within it and and how do you rule with a small r from from a distant portion of a county and and represent fairly everybody who's in it mm-hmm. even those across the water from you so so the fact that you could have one one body saying one thing and another body saying another i think speaks to the size of that county really quickly before we move on to things for those that don't live in Scotland or within or who aren't necessarily familiar with the territory that's known as Argyle and Butte. Can you just put that out in simple terms? It's essentially half the west coast of Scotland plus islands close to the mainland plus islands farther out from the mainland in the in the Hebrides, which is insane, absolutely insane. And I, I couldn't give you a representative square footage of miles, but if you just simply Google Argyle and Butte, and Google Maps will show you, you will be astounded, even to the point of us in your interview with Indri, where they are building a distillery within Argyle and Butte. Mm. But 
It's on the mainland. It's on the way to Kenna Craig, for those of you who have made that drive and caught the ferry off to Isla, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> it's, it's wild, absolutely wild. So, hmm. uh, Argyle and Butte, it's a happening spot. I think it includes Oban. I'm not 100% sold on that, but I oh, think it includes Oban. Well, I mean, if you th- take a look at the, the CalMac website, right, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's the website you go to if you want to book a ferry to, to any of these islands off the West Coast. There is an Oban to Isla ferry that you can mm-hmm. book through CalMac. And mm-hmm. so there you go. So maybe it is. Right. It's not a million miles away. That was a fun fun journey that we made. We've only made that journey once and just mm-hmm. with the Great Isla Swim Crew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good one. Before we end that, so thanks to Ollie for, for the car interview, but also for the good company on Friday. And I just wanted to give a little shout out there to the fact that it was you and me and Ollie having a lovely time also uh, with Haida as well, your wife. But John Kay was there, mm-hmm. Jay Cole was there, and Suzanne, who uh, after Friday I was doing my very best to get the first name correct <laughs> and not 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 miscalling her there. Um is, is she a K? Is she a, a, another last name? No, she's a. She's, yeah, go ahead. Cause no, she's a. Clark. No, just because she. Okay, so so she's John K's wife, but they she's, are. She's John K. They are becomes Suzanne C. There you go. There you go. That's what I was after. You've delivered the good stuff, and they brought bottles, and did. we sat and we tasted and we covered some just wonderful, wonderful ground. I I will say the one. The one I've been thinking about the most, Hmm. and this I think speaks to a a conversation you and I had recently about Lagavulin, actually, I think Mm -hmm. even the last episode of of One Nation Under Whiskey, which is we were were sitting with Ollie and and other friends drinking the 37-year-old Kalila Mm -hmm. that was put out as the director's cut, Mm -hmm. which are oftentimes Sukinder Singh's most special, most prized casks. Correct. And and the number 37 wasn't exciting to me, attached to a Kalila, just like we discussed with the Lagavulin, right? Mm-hmm. We like young, peaty, feisty, stomp on your tongue, eyeless. And that 37-year-old Kalila was just so delightful and so interesting mm-hmm. and really, for me, Kalila can sometimes be quite, sophisticated the the taller stills filled lower yeah. with a lot of reflux it, it can take on the characteristic of a, of a quite different isla spirit yes yep. and, I, and i think those characteristics allowed to mature for 37 years really presented a, a very special example of kalila mm. and so I, I like it when i can go from I know on the face of it, it's the oldest, it's the most expensive, <laughs> um, but it, it's not really checking the boxes for what I look for. Yeah. Two, oh, that was that was really quite special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I and even though you're sitting, you're talking, and you're drinking or you're tasting a number of different things, that was the one that my mind just kept 
rethinking like that was well done that was well put together mm. that had a lovely lovely profile so so yeah even on the even on the car ride back you know we were we were eight and a half hours up with the last two and a half being just sitting in traffic but the, the drive home was six and a half hours so easy peasy um but yeah periodically on the drive home the the Kalila 37 would just kind of pop into huh. my head. Yeah, I, I there were two that stood out for me. Of, of course, the 37 stood out, but I got to taste that um, previously at the, at the Drammers event that, mm-hmm. that I mentioned mm-hmm. uh, we did. So, so that was a, a revisit for me. Still special, but not having not been introduced to it on the night, mm-hmm. I was more focused on what I was introduced to on the night. And Jay had brought uh, an old bottling of the Scapa 16, which was such a great <laughs> bottle to revisit. Uh, which, which falls outside of our normal checklist, right? It's 40% likely colored, chill likely filtered. chill filtered, yeah. almost certainly yeah. chill filtered. Right? Like, here's me enjoying the old Kalila. Here's you enjoying the 40%, you know, 16-year-old yeah. Scapa. Which is a good dram. I'm with you. I'm with you on it. It's a good dram. I mean, part of it was just being able to revisit it Mm because I haven't had it in 10-ish years, somewhere around there. And then the other one, it was a bottle that that I'd been holding on to for some sort of special occasion. And that was the 1.75 handle of Johnny Walker Black from the late 70s. And or mid to late seventies, something like that, and tasting that, I need to get a new bottle of the twelve because this old old bottling of the Johnny Walker Black Twelve just tasted like Brora, just like a glass of Brora. And I know Modern Johnny does. does they're they're just different whiskeys. It's a different makeup. And at forty three point three percent, right? Forty three point four was the four percent. Four. Was, was it forty three point four? Yeah, for, yeah, because it was always eighty six point eight. That was that was their proof 8. listed coming to the U.S. Man, so look at that. That, that just goes to show you, me with an old Kalila, you with a forty percent Scapa, and then you with a forty three point four percent Johnny <laughs> Johnny Black yeah. from the seventies. Yeah, just being <laughs> taken a bit out of our our comfort zone, but right, I, <laughs> right, there you right. go. There you go. <laughs> anyway, yeah, what a, what a blast! That was good, and and it's funny because I, I know you were still up late. You weren't quite there till the till the conclusion on the Friday night after being up very very late on the Thursday. But major kudos to Ollie. He he took one for the team. He he had you alone on on the Thursday night, and then after you went to bed, he had me alone on the Friday night. He he tag teamed us like Oof, the Jason. professional he is. Jason, he's a married man. Please go easy with what you're saying. He's a professional. He's got the stamina <laughs> of. Listen, I don't even know what. Ollie, if your stamina lasts for more than four hours, please consult a physician. He took his stamina all the way home on that plane. Like it was, people could sense his stamina. Yeah, on it, that plane. It was a tight home. thirty-five minutes. His stamina, tight thirty-five. <laughs> so news, Jason. Hmm. We have some, don't we? Yeah. Did you wake up the paper boy? I, I stepped outside for a quick smoke. <laughs> <laughs> After thirty-five minutes of uh, of stamina, you needed a smoke. 
Hey, let me wake him up just now. Extra, extra, Creole, a body, life story, a playboy, penny, extra, extra. I'd be willing to say there's 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 two bits of big news. All right, with with one of them bigger than the other, which is we we are looking over the horizon at hashtag Giving Tuesday. That we are. And last November, with the nation, it's only a month away. Sorry, I didn't mean to stop you there, but how amazing is it that we're just a month away from Giving Tuesday, basically? I'd call it five weeks, but you know, a month or change between friends. Yeah, you know, I said just you about, know. right? It's approximately. <laughs> For you, just about could be between four and twelve. It's weeks. exactly eight days. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly four weeks, six days. <laughs> 30, 30 hours, that ain't going to work. Exactly. Um, anyway, continue. I'm sorry, please. So Giving Tuesday is on the horizon. <laughs> and last year, we, with the nation, completely blew it out of the water. To, to the extent that, because, because I am such a Scotsman, and I have such an easy time talking to Ollie, the Yorkshireman, um, <laughs> While we celebrated the achievement in the moment, I was already thinking, what are we going to do next year? <laughs> Where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we kind of bandied about within within the company was the potential for maybe some special bottlings. Yes. And how, how could we do some special bottlings? So we we have partnered and, and we have we've spoken about it previously. And and the nation has 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 nibbled, just nibbled, and we've met new friends and we've introduced new people into the nation through their nibbling as well. But we've we've got our good ride bottling that we collaborated with Kerry Hart and Big B, um, our own Johnny Balderay of of whiskey and donuts was a huge part of it mm-hmm. as well. Oh yeah, um, and then you, me, and Elijah on this American side here, and. We're raising money for tanks for troops, mm-hmm. which the, the tanks comes from motorcycle tanks. We're, mm-hmm. we're not going to try and, and, and buy them a, a Sherman. Uh, yeah, these so are Sherman speak. tanks. For right, sure. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's even more ambitious than we can, than we can reach for. So, so, so what we've got is any, anybody who's previously purchased a bottle of the Good Ride will be included in our annual Giving Tuesday lottery, where we've we've released bottles at key levels of giving. Last year it was we started at twenty thousand. Once we got to twenty thousand, boom, that opened up the lottery, and then every ten thousand dollars we added bottles to the lottery up to a hundred thousand, and then anybody making a donation would be eligible to win. And we raised, as we say, in the in the region of a quarter of a million dollars. Mm-hmm. So, so anyone who's already supported Good Ride, you're in. Congratulations, thank you. For anybody who would like to get in through that same door, on Thursday, October 18, 19, 20, is it the twentieth or the twenty first? Seventeen, eighteen, 20th. nineteen, twentieth, twentieth. We will be opening up sales and we will be 
So we'll be selling this to the entire nation for char charitable contribution on the Good Ride Bourbon. Mm -hmm. And a $200 bottle of which $100 plus will make it to the Tanks for Troops organization. And, and we traditionally have had a $125 buy-in on a charitable contribution. Mm -hmm. So this is a good way to get into that Giving Tuesday spirit of things. Spirit, see what I did ooh, there? Ooh. And, and it coincides with Halloween being just around the corner. Ooh. Oh, I, ex exactly two weeks away when we're recording. <laughs> just showing you how exactly it works. So, and so to get into the spirit of Giving Tuesday, get yourself a whiskey, be part of Tanks for Troops, be part of Good Ride, uh, be part of what we're achieving with this collaboration. And who knows, maybe you'll you'll buy a bottle, you'll make a, a charitable contribution, and maybe you'll win another bottle off the back of that. Last year, the the bottlings that we put up as potential winnings for those that supported the charity of their own selection, it was it was astounding. We really had some winners up there, and we've put some bottles to the side. We're gonna have another set of really, you know, rare SCN bottlings Absolutely. That, that you could win. And uh and, and I do like this, right? It's you know, in the past it's always been you select your own charity. And and some people will just do that, right? They'll they'll do, you know, 125 to their favorite charity charity but then they'll do another charity and another charity and oh, another charity yeah. right oh absolutely oh and, my gosh yes and then in the case of the good rides we are specifying a charity right tanks for troops but it's indeed the overall donation to that ends up being while the bottle like you'd said while the bottle cost is 200 just about 100 105 of that somewhere around there goes to charity so you get a bit of a discount on your charitable dollars while gaining an entry into the winning. I really, I really like how you set that up. Well, and, and I firmly believe that those who participate in purchasing the good ride won't consider this the end of their charitable giving. I think there's going to be many, many, many people <laughs> who then follow through uh, on the, the Monday after Thanksgiving as well. Yeah. Uh, with that, that what's now become a traditional Giving Tuesday <laughs> gift. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited. I'm really happy. You and I have put together a tasting video as well that will be available for the nation to see uh, and get into the spirit of this. But I would, I would love for the nation to come through strong on this, help us get this sold out uh, and allow us to get that check off to, to tanks for troops. Yeah, indeed. Beauty. Right. Okay. So, so what was your second bit? So that's our biggest news. Yeah. I think the other big news is we're sitting here in October. We're, we've started, we've, we've kicked off OND October, November, December, and we're in the giving months. Oh, hey, we're back to giving again. Um, this time, gift giving, right? Yeah. Holiday buying, holiday purchasing. And, and while we think, obviously, the good right would be a, a good aspect there, as we release this. It, it's amazing hearing you list out all of the whiskeys <laughs> that are on our website, right? Because in a way, it kind of feels like 
the before times. And when I say the before times, I'm not talking about before COVID. I'm talking mm-hmm. about before people really knew who or what Single Cast Nation was, where we had a number of bottles on the website for people to buy, drink, share, etc. And then we got to a point where everything we brought in sold out. And we said, all right, that's, and, and which I love, <laughs> but that's its own problem. So we said, you know what, let's let's really kick into high gear the number of casts we're bottling and putting on the website so that we have, because we have more members, far more members than before, we're giving them a multitude of bottles to to explore and check out and purchase and share and, and so on and so forth. So as much as I love the sellouts, I do like right. that there are bottles on our website for for people to buy now or next week or the week after. Right. And like you're saying there, with the the way before times, we're not sitting on 200 of anything. No, <laughs> we're not sitting no, 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 no. on 150 of anything, right? We're in double digits on all the things that yeah. are sitting there, yeah. which... That's, we, we can live with that. That's but, worth revisiting. But think, think about what they are too, right? We're, we're, back e- we're back to introducing brands to an American public mm-hmm. that is less familiar, right? Years ago, we, we bottle a Kilhoman and an Aaron. And people say, what's that? We bottle a Ben Riach. What's that? Now they get that. Now they need to discover... Black Button and MacMira and Virginia Distillery Company and so on, right? And so I feel we're we're playing that role that we really wanted to play from the outset, which was yeah. we love these distilleries. You should love them too. It's hard work, but it's also very fulfilling work at the same time. Yeah, terrific. Yeah. Terrific. Yep. yep, I agree with all of that. So really quickly, before we get out of here, I, there's something that I wanted to b- bring to people's attention. Um, in our previous episode of Extra Extra, where we talked about the, the troubles on, on Isla, right, and, and the infrastructure and, and tax dollars not going to, to Isla for infrastructure or to Scotland, you know, for, for God's sake... Um, we got some comments that came in, and I wanted to just read a couple of them, maybe three of them, um, if you don't mind. So the first one came in on YouTube, right? Because our podcast also goes to our YouTube channel as well. And a gentleman whose title is Just Whiskey (laughs) says, A well-needed slap of reality a similar situation to what we have here in Cape Cod. And and I ah. and this is one thing that I wanted to mention in our conver- in the extra extra years ago. Ida and I took the girls to Cape Cod and for vacation, right? Because that's what Cape Cod is to so many people who don't live on Cape Cod. It is like vacation mm-hmm. playland. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were in our B and B or wherever we were. We had to go to the grocery store to to get our groceries. And someone had a bumper sticker <laughs> who <laughs> simply said, I am not on your vacation. 
Oi. <laughs> but think about Oof. how the natives must feel, right? Like you you really get that and and mm-hmm. so I, I I'm so glad cuz I didn't have a chance to bring that up in the previous extra extra. So I'm glad that Mr. Just Whiskey um, has brought that up here. And then we have uh, a comment uh, also on YouTube from someone named <laughs> Multi Golfer. This is I'm just this is wild that we're getting YouTube comments. <laughs> <It's> like, okay. <laughs> Wowzers. And Multi Golfer's comment was thoughtful and sensitive. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on topics that affect every community on the planet. Mm-hmm. I raise my Glencairn in your direction. Yeah. Cheers from New Mexico, USA. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. And then uh, we received a bunch more, but I, there was one fr- um, that was on Facebook because we got some emails and stuff too. Uh, but there was one on Facebook that I really wanted to highlight here. And it came from Neil Murphy. And so Neil says, listen to this yesterday and really enjoyed it. Thanks for exploring the potentially negative sides of this seemingly constant expansion. So many mm. seem to look at it from a purely, quote, more whiskey is great point of view, which, don't get me wrong, it is. But as Jason so <laughs> rightly pointed out, things here in Scotland are tough right now, and the industry just seems determined to keep going no matter what. And now we have Ardbeg snapping up the Isla Hotel. How much of Isla isn't completely dependent on whiskey? What happens to that community if the whiskey crashes? And I, I made a quick response to him here. I said, when all things on Isla are based in whiskey and the whiskey boom bust, it's going to be a dark day for the Ilix. That's what I fear. And he says, yeah. yep, my thoughts exactly. Good to hear you guys use your platform to highlight those issues. So there you go. No, those are three fantastic comments. Absolutely fantastic. You know, this idea that tourism, right, as... In any community, as we give up industry and we embrace tourism, Mm. you do start to become an exhibit in a zoo. And so the the bumper sticker, I'm not I'm not part of your vacation. I'm not in your vacation, I I think is so true. It's so true. And and I've I've kind of I've alluded to it here. And this is this is far outside of, of whiskey industry. But for us here, and we, we live among uh, Amish and we live among Mennonites and they pass by our house. I, I often comment on the podcasts about my dog barking at the horse and buggies going by. And I remember my mother-in-law was coming out and bringing our, our nephew along and mm. saying, you know, oh, maybe we'll, we'll have a chance to see the Amish. Maybe we'll have a chance to see the Mennonites. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said, well... If you're just commuting, you know, give them a wave. They're our neighbors. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, they're not a sideshow. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so it's it's that kind of how how do we deal with people who aren't like us in other communities that we've taken the time to visit and communities in which we've decided to spend our money, mm. which is that, which is, you know, specifically that Isla question that we were covering. But yeah, it, it, it's difficult and, and it's about being aware and it's about, you know, tipping your taxi driver and, and tipping your wait staff and tipping mm-hmm. your bar mm-hmm. staff and, and saying, you know, I see you and I appreciate you. Thank you. 
and and maybe don't get into asking them if they've got a house. So uh, to that to that very point, do you get from the Amish and Mennonite community, do you get any side glances when they see your bumper sticker that says, I'm not on your barn build? Like, is that is that a thing? See, they, they know that I am on their barn build, so I would never have that bumper sticker. <laughs> no, you wave. That's what you do. You wave. Take care of people. Yeah. So, so anyways, uh, if you're like multi-golfer or Neil Murphy... Or like Mr. Just Whiskey, uh, you know, you can send us comments. You can send us questions on our various uh, YouTube <laughs> videos, uh, podcasts, whatever. Um, you can send in questions, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com or info at singlecastnation.com. Uh, we're happy to, to read comments here. We're happy to answer questions here. If you have a suggestion for an article on Extra Extra, you can send those through to us that way too. Yeah, to, to her great credit, on the day we dropped the last Extra Extra talking about this, this Isla issue, Jess had sent along the, hey, this just happened. And that was the announcement of our big buying the Isla Hotel. It's like, you can't even keep up with this stuff. Right. No, there's a new development every day, and and one just came in. I think it. I think it was from Ian Bruce. Said, "Hey, check out this article, and it's about Portel and Maltings likely stopping sales of malted barley to to local distilleries." And this is something that we heard a month or so ago, and it's now an article, and we've mostly kept shtum about it because yep. we thought it yep. was an internal thing, and and now it's an article. So we that wasn't to, our business to share. No, and it wasn't. So, so you know, we we hear a few things here and there, and we know when to keep stum, and we know when we can share. We 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 know when to hold them. We know when to. Fold we do. Them. We know when to fold them. Yep. We know when to we walk know away. when to walk away. I, I know when to run. Do you know when to run? I know when to run. I tell you, Jason. I think now is a good money. time to. <laughs> when when sitting, sitting at the table, at the table there'll be time enough for counting when. No, when the deal is the done. done. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of knowing when to walk away and when to run, I think now is a perfect time to walk away from this week's episode of One Nation Under Whiskey. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Thanks to the Ollie. Thanks to the listeners. Please come out. Please support our Good Ride offering on the interwebs. Let's, let's make a good showing. Let's show what the nation can do when it comes to charitable giving. While getting a cheeky little bourbon on the side. A good showing for good ride. I like that. Cheers all. Cheers all. That's two sample glasses. Just. I also have two sample bottles. This is yeah. This is where we keep the mics down. Oof, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what you if, concentrating on driving, sir? What if what if we got arrested doing this podcast, Ollie? Well, you know, it could be worse. We could hit a bird, or <laughs> did we almost get arrested last time? I remember vividly pulling up next to a police officer. <laughs> like, oh. oh <laughs>
think I think that's right. Oh, that I feel that that's right, and I feel as if that might even be in the, the recording. A, it might be in the recording, and there was a moment where, oh shit, I was meant to take a turn. I'll take this turn. Um, there was a moment where I, f- I felt we had to scramble to hide the laptop that had been sitting on the dash. <laughs> like that, sh- there shouldn't be a laptop up there. Uh, but it's much is- more professional now. Much more professional, yeah. yeah. 